The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one man. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. And his eyes just lit up. Yep. And he's like, oh my God. <laughs> when somebody's just like, you know what? Kozilek. And I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> Scoop. Yep. And I'm done. <laughs> I am Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We are proud members of the Planes Talkers Podcasting Network. And we're here to talk magic. Matt, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. Uh, did not have today off like I normally do, but I didn't really have to do a whole lot at work, so I still came home and... So normal. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to keep that work to a minimum. You didn't get kind of boned today. You got no. some extra time this weekend to go see some friends. Yep. I was up in uh, South Bend for uh, New Year's Day, went up there and hung out with the crew of the Family Gathering podcast, Derek and Joe, and their families. Was actually on an episode of their show, so check oh, that yeah? out if you're interested. I think it should drop on Wednesday of this week. Well, I'll go ahead and make sure, and, and, the, and there's going to be a lot of links this week, to all these articles we're going to talk about, so I will make sure and get a link to the Family Gathering website in the description, so if anyone wants to check them out. They're a really cool podcast where uh, Derek and Joe and Valentine and Jonathan, their their children, kind of just talk about magic and like uh, the two little kids learning about magic and how it works, and it's kind of cool. The best thing about it to me is, I don't know if you've ever had this, but like, say you used to play something 10 years ago, right? Like a video game. And then you see a kid playing it and it kind of like reignites that spark because you're just like, oh, you kind of see it through their mm-hmm. eyes. Their podcast does that for me with magic yep. where it's like you get to see a little kid get excited to play like genuine excitement when they see new cards and like, holy crap, lightning bolt exists. Yeah. I was just playing shock. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think one of the first episodes, Valentine was like, my favorite card this week is shock because it's one red mana for two damage. Yep. And it's just like, just wait till you see lightning bolt. <laughs> Matt was like, you're going to shit your pants here a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it really, really helps you see magic as a game mm-hmm. where a lot of us who are, you know, super in the weeds with it. Yes, it's a game, but it's, the innocent fun factor kind of gets sucked out when you're talking about competitive play and you're not looking at like, Oh my gosh, it's so fun to like perfect example. We were playing EDH because they're, they're uh, teaching uh, EDH to their kids now. And Joe's son was playing a uh, Marrow Gnar deck. We call him Marinara. Yep. Because Marrow Gnar is hard to say. Yep. It is. (laughs) (laughs) And he got to go infinite for the first time with Thornbite staff and Marrow Gnar. And what happened is he played it and he was like, why is, are there any shamans in this deck? I was like, there's not any shamans. Just keep reading. And he's like, oh, so like if a creature dies, I can just untap that. So I should put that on my creature so he can untap after attacking. I was like, think about how that works with your commander. Uh-huh. And his eyes just lit up. Yep. And he's like, oh my God. <laughs> he's like, so I can just keep doing this? Uh-huh. So we've worked him through the loop. And he was just like, holy cow. And he just like, he's like, how many times can I do this? I'm like, as many as you want. He's like, I'm going to make 2 million rats. <laughs> you now have 2 million he, rats. He had a uh, rat colony in play. So he's like, I'm going to attack you with a 2 million to one. Yep. <laughs> You're dead, Joe. Yep. <laughs> and he was so excited. And like, we all felt that. But for me, it's been 20 years since like I felt that way about magic, where well, I was just like genuinely 
enthralled with the game. I mean, what does it look like when I go infinite or you go infinite now? Yeah. What you do is you say, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and cast this spell, put on my commander, and I've got infinite loop. You guys good to scoop? Cool. cool. Go next game. Correct. Whereas you get to watch Jonathan just kind of wig out on like, I can, any number? A million? Two million? Yep. Yeah. So it's the, the innocence of youth brings a lot to it. And you get to kind of experience that with uh, with the Family Gathering podcast. Yeah. So I listen to every episode. Me and too. It, it really helps kind of keep that spark going. Yep. And they did a nice little short 30 minute episodes. It was like the perfect drive time, like to work or something. Yeah. So other than that, you've used I up gotta, all your Final Fantasy time this week. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I've just been playing that. Um, I haven't really been doing anything super exciting, except I managed to hook Derek into playing it with me as well. So we're going to start. Uh, I didn't do anything exciting because I was out of town. So yeah. I just didn't play. But yeah, so we're going to start uh, duoing together on that. And. We're going to work him, get some gear on him and stuff, and start running some content. So, looking forward to that. I'm glad you got someone to play your old game with. Yep. Now, if I can just rope in a couple more people. I just need four more people. No. <laughs> you play it. You know it. <laughs> I have too much to do. So, anywho, how was your weekend? And speaking of too much to do, I got to have a really fun time yesterday going on to the Leaving a Legacy podcast with Jerry and Pat. They put a post up that they were kind of looking for some stuff to talk about this week, and I had reached out to them about, uh, as being a big fan of theirs, I've listened to Leaving a Legacy for a, for many, many years. They've been going for freaking ever, it feels like. Yeah. And they just, they're a legacy-dedicated podcast. Yeah, I mean, they were one of the reasons why we... Very much. Like, one of the inspirations for us starting yes. a podcast. Like, they're definitely one of the podcasts that I take inspiration from when we were design when we were kind of theory crafting what I wanted our cast to be like. Because yeah. there's very similar, where it's, it's two friends who care about magic and talk about it. Now, clearly, a lot of our opinions on things are different, but it's a very similar format where it's just like we're here to give you like our breakdown and what we think and you know how we look at it. And it's a very good. So when you're first starting something, you don't necessarily want to copy people, but you want to know what something done well looks like. Yeah. So you're like, oh, OK, that's kind of what I need to be looking for. It yep. needs to have this level of production value. It needs to sound like this. Yep. We need to like, you know, like here's a template for what yeah. a good podcast is about magic mm -hmm. and that's i think that's one of the ones that we were looking at when we were starting yeah but i think back to that i had a lot of fun chitting with them their episode should be coming out this friday and so i do want to recommend everyone go check them out i will get their website and their podcast linked in the description you got a lot of work to do i do as usual that matt will appreciate none of it hey the talent <laughs> yeah anyway they're a lot of fun they do um like they're a relatively actually really they're a very popular podcast they're so popular they host opens yeah. and actually if you're listening to this you get a bit of a sneak preview because their episode comes out after hours they're already getting dates put together for their next leaving a legacy open so keep an eye out for that go check them out i will also put a description or in the description a link to their facebook page that i am a, a part of and it's an amazing facebook page that has just a shit ton of people posting legacy content in there all day from spoilers to theory crafting to chit chatting just there's tons of stuff in that facebook page that you should check out but that was my i got to go on with them yesterday we talked about a bunch of stuff some of the stuff we'll talk about today and just had a really good time shooting the shit with them other than that i did not do much this weekend i got a three-day weekend they didn't need me on friday so i spent friday with my wife i spent saturday with my wife and then she worked on sunday so i got to sit at home play minecraft quietly all sunday peaceful isn't it it was great <laughs> minecraft when you're into minecraft it's like nothing else yep. there's no other game like minecraft when you're when it's got you hooked and you can just like you get up in the morning 
for you probably 10 or 11 o'clock because you tend to typically sp- uh, that's I, not I a dig i i'm a six o'clock kind of guy you're I sleep a, in. you sleep in as late as you can and more power to you i wish i could and then you can get on minecraft and your whole day can just disappear yep like it's just gone and you'll be like yes but look what i've created oh, yeah. <laughs> i swear i looked up and I, my wife had texted me saying she was on her way home from work it was the best, in my opinion, the best time of Minecraft, which is I hopped into the Planes Talkers patron Minecraft server. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you listen to the, the Planes Talkers podcast, if you're a patron of their podcast, they have a special realm set up that you can be a part of. And I finally got around to getting on that realm and I got to get into a brand new world. Ooh, go find a the brand first, new like, hill. Five hours. Yep. Oh, start mining up, get some iron, Jealous. get some diamonds. Something really funny happened. They have Bedrock version, which is essentially Minecraft for Microsoft. Yeah. I have Java, so I had to get another one. So I got the new Minecraft, and Will was, like, away from computer. So I got it on, like, Saturday, and I was like, I kind of want to play Minecraft. I'll check out the Microsoft version. It's a little different. There's some, like, for example, there's no left hand. Yeah. You can hold a shield, but you can't, like, hold torches or food in your left hand. So there's some differences. So I played for probably five or six hours, but it was really hard to get super into it because I knew as as soon as I get a hold of Will, this world is trash to me. Yeah. So I just goofed around for, you know, a day or so. And then the next day, Will got back with me. We spent a little time. I got on the server and I spent my first like hour scoping out a hill. I I kind of biome that I want to be a part of. I got um, a house built, got a mine dug and started really digging it out. And Will hits the chat. Hey, guys, for some reason, all of our armor things have despawned. So I'm going to have to revert uh, to a saved world about three hours ago. K O. <laughs> yep. So I quickly wrote down the coordinates that I had decided I liked and then logged off for all of my work to be erased. The funny thing is that happened the last time we played Minecraft. Yep. Where for whatever reason our server just crashed. Yeah. Like we were we, playing we got like two weeks in. Yeah. We were we were we had everything set up. Like, you know, we were we were getting to the point where we were doing like serious projects. Uh-huh. And then it was just like, well, the server won't yep. work anymore. It was uh, you and Jason were doing really serious stuff, and I was mostly doing decoration. Yeah. And I was putting a lot of work in yeah, decoration. everything looked great. Like, I don't want to toot my horn, but I think shit looked No, it looked good. really cool. Because we, uh, we had some mod packs on, so we had some really, we had some really cool, uh, there was a, a stone chisel that you could do all kinds of cool textures with stuff. And I was playing with, like, marble and quartz and stone and brick, and I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I put a lot of work in making that place look good. And then it didn't exist anymore. Yep. <laughs> so that happened to me so I, luckily it only happened like an hour in and it yeah. was actually really cool um while i was going well the cool thing is you know kind of know exactly where everything's at in yes, theory I, yeah i didn't have to go i didn't go hunting anymore I, I knew where i wanted to go i got started and will as an apology came and brought me a couple stacks of iron oh there you go and that was a huge because like, he has an iron farm so yep. he brought me like like 10 or 15 blocks of iron and uh, which amounted to, I think, two and a half stacks yeah so you and get that, to skip the punching tree yep, step that was a huge fast forward to get uh to get going so i really appreciate that and i've been just cranking away i've got like an xp farm built i've got a afk fish farm built that is currently fishing right now getting uh he he gave me an elytra i for the first time ever playing minecraft can fly oh that's cool and the bad news is i'm out of fireworks and i don't have a monster farm to get uh gunpowder gun yep. but i was able to get an elytra i got a, i got a book with mending so i can repair it yep so my elytra isn't gonna break anytime soon i'm actually like farther along in minecraft like realistically than i've ever been in my life because i never do the end i never do uh the nether i just tool around in the overworld doing all kinds of fun stuff yeah you typically get into the more engineering yeah. project kind of thing rather i love than making like- farms i love making redstone stuff i i like that kind of stuff i don't i've never beat minecraft i probably never will i've never even seen the end dragon not hard i sure i don't know not for me 
it's something they put in, in my opinion, as an afterthought where they're like, well, most people like to be able to beat a game. Yep. Here's the thing. Yeah, and there needs to, dragon. Be a, needs to be a cap on the game where you could say, I have beaten Minecraft. Yeah. And that's for most people is the end dragon. It is more involved than you would think as just like you can tell they were like, this needs to be here. So we're going to put some thought into it and whatnot. But like if you have a geared out character, he's easy. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Before next up on the Minecraft podcast, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's talk about retro games for the next half an hour. OK, no. <laughs> Before we get started on, I mean, technically Magic is a retro game. It came out 25, 30 years ago. <laughs> Magic's an antique, guys. <laughs> yeah, Magic is antique. So before we get going into Legacy this week, I do want to give a big shout out to Will and Aramis at the Plains Talkers Podcasting Network. As I said before, we are proud members of the Plains Talkers Podcasting Network. And Will and Aramis lead up our mothership show, the Plains Talkers Podcast, where they give you pretty much everything you need to know about Standard and Commander Every Monday at twitch.tv forward slash Plains Talkers podcast on Twitch. They actually live stream their show before they post it on Wednesdays. And you can check out their Discord at discord.plainstalkerspodcast.com to join into any kind of interesting conversation about magic. It's super active. Hop into any of the free giveaways they do. Like basically every few months, they give away a free box of stuff. And with their new setup, they're actually going to be giving away a lot more like commander oriented like singles and stuff because they've got a brand new sponsorship. Check them out on Wednesday at that same Twitch to watch them play Command Over Spell Table. And if you join the Discord, you can even play with them. They take viewers every week. And while you're on the Discord, make sure and pop into our Cantrip Cartel page and give us a give blow us a us hello. Crap. <laughs> huh? Blow us crap. Yeah, or blow us crap. <laughs> Other than that, Matt, I think we're ready to hop over. How is Legacy looking? About the same. Cool. There is some spice in the top 32, and we'll talk about that. And uh, one of the decks, it's not super spicy, but I'm glad to see it's kind of coming back. So there's there is some stuff to talk about. Uh, let's do our top top eight like we normally do. Yep. Keep it consistent. So coming in first, we've got uh, Anurag Das and Anzid or Anzi Anzi D um, playing Red Bant. Yeah. Uh, it's basically a Bant control list with a splash red for. Uh, expressive iteration and the typical red stuff in the side. You've got pyroblast, red element, red elemental blast, and uh, meltdown. Yep. So and is a static caster. I hate that card. <laughs> elves in D and T respect. <laughs> yes. So which is good because typically speaking, elves has a decent matchup against yep. this. I'd say biggest pickups for red are going to be expressive iteration, just two mana draw two, stupid, and the f- being able to run four blasts in the side, pyroblast, red elemental blast, whatever. Yep, absolutely. So. Uh, the deck in and of itself, I wouldn't exactly call it spicy, but it is, I'm, A, I'm glad to see him do well. Um, He's one of the people that's really keeping Legacy alive. Yes. So, like, I think few people breathe more life into Legacy in both a content uh, fashion and a financial fashion than Anurag. Uh, just for perspective, he has an ongoing bounty for Saturday that he just put up for fun where he's got 400 tickets lined up for the first, second, third, and fourth, if a Saturday challenge fires, where he will just give the winners an extra, essentially $100 each. He hosts um, like little 1Ks online all the time for his subscribers and fans. He, he produces an absurd amount of content. He does a ton to brew and keep Legacy interesting and keep it going. He is one of the goats right now in yep. terms of like keeping Legacy alive. Yep. So big shout out to him. Very happy to see him doing well. He obviously, he deserves every win he gets one of the best legacy players in the world. Um, I spoke about this with leaving a legacy and I'll bring it up here again. So this is a four color list, obviously with a super greedy mana base. You're looking at Delvers running anywhere from 25 to 30% in your overarching metas. 
And like the number of decks that are running these just three and four color mana bases are hilarious because it seems the way they offset them is everyone's just running Life from the Loam now. Yep. Like Life from the Loam used to be a deck that you kind of worked, like you built a deck around Life from the Loam and now everyone's like, I don't like Wasteland. One or two Life from the Loam will solve it. Yep. The having Uro in your deck really offsets the cost of the dredge if there is any. It's just, what else are you going to do? Like you really want to be greedy and not lose. Like the funny thing is, so you're like, I'm going to be greedy. And then they're like, well, I'm going to play Wasteland. And you're like, you know what? I'm not being greedy enough. Yep. <laughs> so I'm just gonna... I mean, he's running Wasteland. <laughs> I know. It's a four-color deck, and he has two Wasteland in it. I know. Yeah. So, like, the greed in Legacy right now is absurd. And, yeah, like I said, I'm super excited to see that. I love the fact that a control deck won. Yep. There's been, I don't want to say buzz, but, like, if you look at the challenges, control has been struggling mm-hmm. relative to the other... Uh, let's say archetypes i would say it's a tempo and it's a combo meta yeah so i'm very happy to see that at least someone i mean he's one of the best legacy players in the world again at least someone has figured out how to beat delver Mm -hmm. without comboing off themselves yep i consistently too i'm not yeah of course any deck can beat delver but to consistently beat it and win a challenge is impressive yeah uh next up we've got two blue red delvers (laughs) oh hey wait a minute one of these doesn't have delver in it (laughs) yeah who cares (laughs) one of them has a true name instead And in fairness, this true name list is running three or four days or sorry, four days, three stifle. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like these decks have (laughs) like there's 10 percent of wiggle room, right? So sure. Every now and then you're going to see like a a week or two ago, we had a guy who ran a more traditional list with like Mm -hmm. young pyromancers and stuff like that. And he was just like, hey, I just want to not lose to. Yeah. um, Graveyard hate. I think think we we were talking to him later on Twitter and he was like like, the only because we were like, oh, we spent like. 10 minutes being like oh why would you do this and like we were going like 5d chess on this and he replied on twitter being like i just didn't want to lose to graveyards yep. graveyard hate so i ran these instead it was pretty cool. funny and fair enough yep well i was teasing we'll bump yeah. through second and third what was fourth uh fourth we've got mono green uh cloud post Oof. again i hate playing against that deck i also hate it <laughs> the, the the inevitability of it's titan post is absurd <laughs> The idea that's like, I'm just going to cast Emrakul and have four mana left over. Right. When somebody's just like, you know what? Kozilek. And I'm just like, you know what? (laughs) Scoop. Yep. I'm I'm done. (laughs) Like if I, well, that's what happens. If one of those resolves and you just don't win the next turn, the game's over. Yeah, absolutely. Like they're going to draw four and you're going to next turn, they're going to swing for Annihilator four. Like you're done. There's just an eight card swing. Or Olamog. I'm just going to exile two of your things. Like Like, any of the... Any of the the titans, or yep. I'm including prime time. Yeah, like prime time doesn't kill you, but you know the lands they're going to get are uh-huh. going to kill you. So, not to say that a six six can't kill you, but like he doesn't he doesn't end the game the way Kozilek does or Emrakul does. Yeah, he just gets Kozilek and Emrakul out. So. In fairness, beyond, I know this does look like a pretty stock prime time list to me, though. You know, titan pose. I don't think I see anything particularly crazy. Two endurance in the side is definitely a, a recent pickup. I haven't seen recent titan post lists. Endurance might be normal main. It makes sense to buy a few turns yep. uh, for the Delver matchups or for the horrendous amount of graveyard matchups. Correct. But yeah, like I was going to say the one thing that not the one thing, because there's, you know, Cloud Post is certainly not an unbeatable deck. Uh-huh. Um, But I imagine, you know, turn one Grizzlebrand is pretty hard to beat for this. It deck. probably is. <laughs> now, one thing I am not seeing uh, in this particular Titan post list, and I, I'm not an expert enough on the know if it's regular. There's no Dark Depths package in this list. Very normal, very commonly you see in these decks the ability to tutor up a Thespian because you're already running Thespian Sage is pretty good in the deck. 
you've already got tons of land tutor to just run one or two dark depths just as like having the combo every on the now deck. and then you just win yeah, yeah you can just go turn turn three or turn four uh merit lage and they've cut it from this deck to i'm assuming just more streamline hit your post more often and get that kozilek out so fifth place we got blue red delver <laughs> <laughs> sorry like i always call it delver it's blue red tempo yep like the Delver name has been around since literally Innistrad, so that's gonna you're gonna have a hard time. I was talking to my moniker. wife about it. The idea that like because a lot of these decks don't run Delver anymore, like this one does, but none of them don't. And so they're like Blue Red Ragavan, Blue Red Delver, Blue Red Tempo, and it's like we call them Blue Red Delver because like the name Blue Red Delver has transcended it whether means or not tempo. It, whether or not Delver's there. It doesn't matter. Like you call a thing Blue Red. It's like it's like a deck. It's like Dead Guy Ale. Yep. Nothing about that deck should be Dead Guy Ale, but it will forever be Dead Guy Ale. Correct or Cheerios. So, Blue Red Delver, fifth place, sixth place, we've got an actually, Jake was super excited about yes. this deck. Uh, this is some moderate spice. Yes. This was a really cool list that I had started to tinker with just for funsies, oh gosh, I think in the Oko era, many, many moons ago, just because it was, it was kind of cool to me. I thought the idea of, and I wasn't the first one to think of this by any means, but just the idea to hole breacher someone and then Days Undoing was just too good yep. to pass up. And that's exactly what... Gash 77 agreed with where he went to run essentially six you can't draw effects. We've got four hole breacher and two narset, eight force of wills, and eight shuffle draw seven effects. Yep. So we've got four echo of aeons and four day undoing, tons of fast mana with chrome moxes, lotus petals, a couple bobbles. He's got and then his it looks like his backup plan is going to be what Urza Saga mixed with Psy and Emery. Yeah, well, the that's the thing is that Psy with all I mean, he's got. 4, 8, 12, 13, 17, 18 zero mana artifacts. Mm -hmm. A turn two sigh with that many zero mana artifacts with hat when, you know, most a lot of them cantrip. That's just going to flood the board with one ones. Yep. If anything, just, yeah, just gum the board up so you don't die. And like yeah. I said, eight force of wills is the, this is happening no matter what. I like, we were, I was joking with Matt about like, you know, the idea of running eight forces is some crazy disadvantage on for cards, but. When your main strategy is to gain more card advantage than most decks do in a match in one turn, yep. you can get away with being like, I'll double pitch force. I don't care. I'm going to draw seven and then make seven mana. Yeah. So, I mean, realistically, the, the combo just doesn't literally kill your opponent, but it, the game's over once yep. it resolves. For the most part. Especially, again, once you, well, the, the odds are when it resolves, you're going to get another one, which is why there's so many. Yep. And you're going, with Whole Breacher, you're going to, keep generating enough mana to keep wheeling and then when you have sigh out you're going to flood the board yeah so like your turn isn't just going to be these yeah. like it should it's very easy to snowball. Like, yeah you just done talk about snowballing threats man yeah and then they don't have a you know they don't have a hand to deal with it exactly super cool deck i thought it was really neat i was really excited to see it it's just uh it's just cool um next up in seventh we've got reanimator mm -hmm. nothing too spicy the main creatures are i mean it's got archon of cruelty four of them yep doesn't have any of the other like chancellors being in the side. That's huge. But it's not the first time we've seen that though. Like not, not all of them. We usually see one or two. And this is just like you're right. This isn't like unheard of. Yeah, but to me, it was crazy. They like just to to totally get rid of that whole turn one well, potential of where we've been seeing that is the decks that splash blue because they commit to being a little slower, so they don't typically 
So it is, I Ex- will grant you, in the black-red list, it is, traditionally speaking, you have those chancellors. Yes. The blue ones where you're playing a little bit slower, more reactive of a game, yeah. you those, can kind of afford to Those are the decks also willing to flex into the show-and-tell package usually. Yeah. And this is, yeah, this is just running two Grief, four Archon, four Grizzlebrand. We've cut everything else out of the main. We have no Archon of Ameria. Or, yeah, Archon of Ameria. We have no Chance of the Annex. Nothing else in the main. Except for, you know, all the reanimation gunk. Yeah. But it was just super cool to see a reanimation deck, I mean, completely step away from the the typical black-red force-feeded on turn one through, you know, Force of Willer days. Yeah. I, so looking at the rest of the list, it looks, because a lot of these, now that they have six grief cut Thoughtseize, this guy basically swapped his Thoughtseizes for his Chancellors. Yep. So he's just like, well... I'm going to just guarantee it resolves by casting a thought seize yep. rather than just making uncountable. instead of instead of needing chancellor because it's the idea that chancellor is only ever good on the opening hand. Yeah, the rest of the time it kind of sucks. So you're putting it's not quite as good on turn one, and it's better every other turn. The rest of the turns, yep, yeah. So running six unmask effects and four thought seizes is kind of huge. That's way more than we're used to seeing. So and fourteen lands. I never gets old seeing a deck with fourteen. Yep. <laughs> like popper elves 13 lands yeah exactly <laughs> the whole i just got the idea like oh, i have one land that's plenty <laughs> sure oh your your spells don't produce mana mine do yeah <laughs> i don't know why you're not playing dark ritual i said it's the format to be doing it uh in eighth place rounding out the top eight we've got red painter yep at this point it's probably important to make that distinction given that in 10th place there's blue painter yes it's true and yeah, this looks like a typical you've got your grindstone package with painter of course seven blasts in the main which is pretty crazy four pyroblast three elemental blast you know nothing it certainly can't brush over just how good those cards are in general in like we said 25 to 30 percent of your matches are delver what 60 to 70 percent of the meta is blue in general or force of will just do it 62 percent of the decks in the top 32 ran or running force of will so like you know there's there's games where it's dead uh, unless you have painter but most of the time pyroblast is on and Painter obviously turns it on for everything, but pretty, pretty crazy and pretty cool to see these lists. I, I like Painter's a really fun list to see. It's one of those typical legacy decks where you can totally go from, okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a library anymore. Yep. <laughs> That's just touching on it. Like, this is one of the decks that I, I'm worried that if there is a ban and it gets Urza Saga, that we're not going to see much anymore. Yeah. Like, this deck is, it, it was a deck, and then it kind of got left by the wayside because of yep. power creep, well, and Urza Saga kind of breathed new life into it, and I'm worried that it's going to have, it's going to be one of the consequences, yes. just the, the collateral damage of banning Urza Saga. Painter has come in and out of being a tiered list. It's always been a pet deck for a lot of people. you know. And, uh, and, and in fairness, a lot of people, like, Painter is their secondary for funzy deck, because it's, it's relatively inexpensive, it's relatively simple. You know, it's mono red. There's no dual lands. That's a there's no dual lands. There's no fetches. Like you save a lot of money there. Yeah, I mean, this is going to sound super ridiculous to say, but it's only about twenty two, twenty three hundred dollars in paper. Yep. Like, and you could realistically get that cheaper because these are probably for near mint copies, right? So if you get, you know, I mean, in fairness, the of that six hundred dollars of it is Lion's Eye Diamond. One of them. Yep. One line. Now you do have two City of Traders, and those are. You know, pretty big. You've got four ancient tombs and the two state trade. It would it would suck to lose those. So you've got some reserveless cards. But as far as legacy decks go, relatively affordable. So it, but but what I was gonna say was Urza Saga has really brought this into a new a new a new tier. And losing Urza Saga would knock it down quite a bit. Yeah, uh, for better or for worse. To that point, there's three copies of Painter in the top thirty two. 
Like it's yes for realsies, and I'm I'm happy to see it. It's a really cool deck. I love playing against it. I love watching it be played. People it's, are trying to tune it. I think. I think. Yeah. I think. Uh, paint because obviously all these tools have been here since MH2 came out. I think Painter's really starting to get tuned. Yep. There was a couple things I wanted to bring up. One of these decks is listed as Grix's Tempo, but the Death Shadow deck. Knock in on us. Again, that's not nothing. That's not anything super new for Legacy, but Death Shadow has been hmm? nowhere to be seen in Legacy. It's, you know, all over in Modern, and that might be some of the inspiration for why somebody's playing it in Legacy. They're like, well, yeah. maybe I'll give it a shot. I mean, in fairness, this is a Modern deck. Yeah, I mean, the, you change out the spells for slightly worse cantrips. Yeah. You get worse cantrips, worse counterspells, yep. and worse lands, and this is a Modern deck. And yep. then, So what I mean by that is, you've got four Death Shadow, and then you've got some Delver, Ragavans, and Murktides. And arguably, the Delvers should probably be DRCs. Potentially, like this is, and that's you know that's almost exactly what you're seeing in your Grixis Shadow list in Modern, where this is no longer as much of a Grixis, or sorry, a Death Shadow list. This is a good deck with Death Shadow in it as a great finisher. But I've seen this these decks get played a handful of matches, and it is legitimate, probably 50-50 or even maybe more skewed towards the games where Murktide wins than Death Shadow. Oh yeah, for because, sure. Because like a lot of times in the mid to late game. You have a one mana five five or a two mana eight eight with flying. Depending on how you want to approach it, if you like, if you're like, if in your head you're looking at this as a death shadow list while you're playing it, you're going to be fetching for watery graves and steam vents, right? Because yep. you want to nuke your life total. If you look at it as another way, and the cool thing about the deck is it can flex from roll to roll depending on which one is more important, then you go, okay, well, I'm playing against death and taxes who has swords and potentially solitudes. I'm going to be fetching underground seas and volcanic islands. Yep preserving my life total and beating them to death with these other good uh -huh. threats. Yep. With your <clears throat> with your Delver or your Ragavan. Yeah, meanwhile against something, you know, like elves, you can go, yeah, well, my life total is almost irrelevant because they're going to swing for 30 anyways. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to nuke myself down to five real quick yep. and then have two eight eights for one. Yeah, and you're in the majority of matches, which are combo matches, like one life and 20 life are the same. Correct. Doesn't matter. And it's not perfect with elves because they do chop you know yeah. whatever but the point stands where you yep. can there's a lot safely nuke your life total. there's a lot of times where you're looking at the board and you're going yeah there is no difference between 10 life and 5 life right now or 10 life and 12 life or whatever so looking at this list would you find space for dress down do you think that the death shadow dress down combo is worth it paired with the number of just in general like things that dress down hates on for a two mana cantrip that can turn off Stoneforge, turn off Mother of Runes, turn off just there's a lit. I mean, we've talked about everything in Legacy is ETB does a thing pretty much or, you know, has that like there's not very many uh, bears running around in Legacy. So that dress down does a lot and it's a very, very common staple in the modern decks. I don't see it in this list. Do you think you would run it? Basically, what you gain instead of dress down is snuff out. I in the current meta, I think I'd rather have snuff out because it just kills the same things. Most of the same things that your dress down is going to answer. Obviously, it's not one to one. Yep. Uh, it doesn't cost any mana, but it also doesn't cantrip. So like, but it doesn't make your death shadow a thirteen thirteen. No, but it does. I mean, it does nuke your life total too. It, yeah. So it, it does. You know, it's going to nuke your life total, and it's going to permanently make your death shadow bigger as opposed That's to true. just for a turn. So I think I don't know. I'm not familiar enough with the deck to like go which one I would do. But I think Snuff Out is a very good card given the, the current meta where mm -hmm. just, you know, non-black creatures are everywhere. Yes. <laughs> so being able to permanently kill a Murktide rather than, you know, do cutesy stuff with Dress Down, I think is probably better. Yeah, I Just given you. that 25% of the meta, yeah. like in a, 
in a more balanced meta, I could see making the argument for Dressdown, but when you know it's a one in four chance to play Delver at any given game, I'd rather have Snuff Out, in my opinion. One of the I, one of the aspects I, one of the aspects I didn't think of until just now actually is uh, you don't get Luris, and most of your Grixis lists in modern yeah, you can't reuse the Dressdown. It's it's usually you don't see Merchant Regents, so you can so you can play Luris, and yeah, with Luris you can keep Dressdown every. Yeah. I didn't think about that, so that might be a, another big factor where you bring in Snuff Out, gain some points because Luris now, is still banned. Question. Yeah, I was going to say, like, because there's been talk about trying to unban Luris in Legacy. I personally think that's a mistake. Well, it's one of those things where Legacy never got to see Luris with the fixed, with the changed companion rule. I don't know if it's fixed, but like, there's a there's a real possibility that Luris, when you have to pay three for it at sorcery speed, isn't a problem. I think the problem isn't that in the right meta, he would be okay. I think the problem is if you look what, like, if you look who uses Luris, it's the decks that are already super strong anyways i'm gonna politely disagree with that because these the decks that are winning right now they're winning in my opinion <laughs> on the backbone of murktide region i think we can agree that ragavan is usually answerable and drc is usually answerable but the problem with fighting to answer them is the murktide kicks you in the teeth afterwards if you want to run Luris, you don't get murktide now you do get to buy him back and that's it, a problem that i was going to say that's the flip side is you're trading the super immediate threat for crazy value yeah but i mean you think about most of your delver decks if you're gonna buy luris that's a turn yep now with ragavan could change that math a little bit if you get some hits with ragavan in but that's gonna be your it, it you take a turn to buy luris and you take a turn to cast luris and maybe you have a mana to cast your ragavan that's all those things are still true in modern as well and he's everywhere yes but modern is a much higher mana format or uh i, I think so than legacy especially blue red delver Yes, but I don't think it is to the degree that Luris is unplayable. You know what I mean? The problem with Luris is I don't think he makes the format better. And this is something we talked fair. about. And I think this it's not just a problem with Luris, it's a problem with companions in general. They are they're almost too binary mm -hmm. where if they're good, then you have to run them just because of the nature of what they do. And if they're bad, then nobody plays them and why do they need to be legal in the first place? And I think Luris in particular is the worst offender of that. Yeah, I think Luris is by by large the best companion by a lot. Other than as far as legacy goes, there's the one that breaks Basalt Monoth. Uh, yeah, I can't Zerda. remember. Yeah, Zerda. He in in you know in a legacy vacuum, he's probably arguably the best, but he'll never get unbanned. The card that got banned before he ever did anything. Yeah. Good. They're like, oops. Yeah. <laughs> now. That is a good argument. That's probably the best argument for not unbanning him. Um, I think there's a good chance that Luris could come in and not be a, a crazy problem to be an interesting tool. I don't know if he would necessarily make any bad decks better, and he would just make good decks different. Yeah, and, and he, like he wouldn't make the good decks non-existent. He would just make good. He would just make different versions of the good decks that exist. I don't. I can't think of a deck that would spring up there's probably something but yeah like nothing comes to mind where it's like wow this would be really cool if Luris was a thing if you could replay one thing a turn because it would probably just be mistress bobble for most right. people and that's that's the thing i think is for the most part Luris is kind of a solved if you want to call them i mean for lack of a better word commander i know they're called companions but yeah. they're effectively commanders right so he's kind of a solved thing we know what we want to do with Luris, and it's cast mistress bobble every turn yep i mean just draw, like draw a card like what does legacy get better when we're doing that? I don't, mm -hmm. I personally don't think so. Yeah. Maybe it does in a perfect world. I would say, let's try it. But given that a legacy has a ton of problems as it is and B wizards doesn't seem to be 
very interested in taking an active role in shaping the format. What would realistically what would happen is he would be unbanned. And then if he decides if it's bad, we're going to have to deal with it for six months to a year. Yeah. I don't I personally don't think Legacy's in a spot to take any risks as yep. far as that goes. I think I think we have too many fires to put out right now. <laughs> like it's it's a cool thought experiment. But yeah, there's too many fires right now to be worried about yeah, what we should be unbanning. Because there's always that push and pull between do we want a this do we want a ban list that facilitates a good format, like an ideal format in a vacuum, or do we want the ban list to be as short as possible? I used to be in the short as possible camp. I have moved to the I don't care how many cards it takes to ban. I want a format that I actually want to play. And which is why, like, if we were to talk about the ban list, there, there'd be like 10 cards I would rattle off right now that I think should go. Predicting the results of that is impossible. But it's just there's a bunch of cards that I think just on the whole make magic less fun to play. I don't care about the fact that you own them or that they would make your deck suck. Yeah. But I, you can't let that cloud your judgment. So like, you can't. And that's like. We're very much in favor of the abolition of the reserve list, even though it hurts both of us a lot. Like, yep. I, I will not let my potential financial loss cloud the judgment of this is the direct decision. Correct. And I think there's there's plenty of cards that could be banned. And I don't think we should be making like the problem is Luris isn't something like we we you and I kind of disagree with um, mind twist. Like you think it should comes off. You should come off because people should be able to play with their cards. I'm going. I'm yeah, I don't really think it really adds much yeah. i'm definitely more in the camp of i would rather less cards be on the ban list than more correct and cards like mind twist like i i don't it's the realistic thing is it's not going to do anything why is it on the ban list yes right it's going to make it's going to make some games a lot worse that's true but yeah it's not going to warp them we have cards on the ban list that are not going to destroy the meta maybe they would have at one point and then it made sense i mean a great example could be glimpse and modern like glimpse very well it wouldn't maybe wouldn't destroy the modern meta. Yeah. The wise of banned. So what I was getting with that though Sorry. is no, you're fine. So mind twist is one of the ones where we, as a whole, people think it's fairly innocuous. Well, it's like, eh, it's mind twist. Yeah. Every now and then you're going to run into a dude who it's, gets lucky and mind twist you on turn one, but it's just another thing. X black. Sorry. Black X target player discards X cards. Yes. So you can dump, as much as many mana as you have past the first to make them discard their hand. The typical thing there is either on turn one or two, turn two doing double dark ritual and then mind twisting. Yep. Their hand's um, gone. And their hand's gone, but the flip side is so is most of yours. And so what it ends up doing is just a game just does nothing. Yeah. That card's fairly innocuous. I think Luris is the opposite of that, where like we know mm. Luris is probably gonna do something. Yeah. He's not mind twist where we can kind of take him off the ban list and be like, oh well, you know, <laughs> he he earned his spot. And we need compelling evidence to yeah. take him off. There's no maybe with Luris. No, Luris is well. And the problem is breaking. because of the because of the nature of him, he either is going to be everywhere or nowhere. Yeah. So like, if he's nowhere, why isn't he on the ban list? And if he's everywhere, he should probably be on the ban list. Yeah. And so. he, and and the best argument against unbanning him is he is everywhere in modern. Correct. Like we legitimately, have, we have a decent experiment. It's, he he <laughs> is everywhere in the format that's way worse. Correct. And has way less one and two mana spells. Correct. So, so that would that would be my Luris rant. Yeah. Let's just wrap up Legacy real quick. We've been on Legacy actually longer than we thought we were going to be on. Yeah. Yeah. There was some interesting decks this week to talk about. I mean, you still have a third of the meta was Blue Red Delver, or you know, yeah, so three or four lists in the top eight or top ten. But there was some cool stuff in there this week. So seven of the top thirty-two were blue red. Then there's if we include that Death Shadow list, two more Grixis lists, and then a Tamir list. So we've got 10 of the top 32 mm -hmm. are some sort of 
Blue Red X Tempo deck. Yep. Uh, I don't know how long that can last. The team year list could probably get removed from that. Looking at, like, this is Goifs and Uros. Yeah, it's some. This is this is way more mid range than Tempo, but we're still in that twenty three to twenty five percent of the top thirty two being some form of Tempo deck. Well, on the flip side of that, is he still running Ragavan and Merktide? Yes. So like they've got the seven or eight, and then you know some guys run Pyromancer and Uh (laughs) yeah, uh, True Name Nemesis. Uh, they still started with their Okos and they built around it with some other cards correct. that fit the colors. They, they were like, I want to play these two broken cards because these win games. And yep. then I, I also like some other fun stuff. Yeah. And I mean, the the funny thing is we're looking at that list going, oh, well, it's only got uh, Ragavan and Merktide. Yeah, it also has Uro, which is another one of those uh-huh. 10 cards where I would just remove from the format. Yeah. Most played cards. This should come as no surprise to anyone. Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Lightning Bolt days. I mean, the list is basically... Delver and then Lotus mm-hmm. Petal. You got Ragavan, Merktide, and Expressive Iteration, and uh, six, seven, eight. Yep, creatures, same thing. Ragavan, Ragavan, Merktide, DRC, Endurance, Delver. It's kind of funny to see Delver of Secrets up there. Yeah, it's seeing a little bit more play than it has in the past. I think Delver is becoming one of those mirror breakers where it's just it's just one more one mana threat to slam. Yep. Whereas if your opponent is swinging with one DRC and one Ragavan, you're swinging with two Delvers and a Ragavan or whatever, and then. Top spells, same thing. Force yep. will, brainstorm, ponder, lightning bolt days. Yep. So legacy's the same. It's and you know we were talking about there is a, there is some cool control decks coming in. There might be a mid range deck in here somewhere, but legacy is still a tempo and combo meta. Pick your favorite tempo deck. Make sure and put some ragavans and murktides in there. Pick your favorite combo deck. There's a lot to choose from. Yep. And elves and run it. Yep. Reanimator. Yep. Ready to hop over to modern? Yeah. All right. Sunday challenge for modern. We've got first place, Soul Strong brought it home with Grixis Death Shadow. We've still got a chunk of uh chunk of Grixis in there. Although a lot less than we've been seeing in the last couple of weeks. I think we've only got two Grixis Shadow lists in our top uh top eight. Top eight. So as as fair, even though it's Grixis Shadow, we'll look at Soul Strong's list. I'm gonna take a peek here, but I don't see any crazy innovation here. This looks like a Grixis Shadow list. Um, even down to the spells. Pushes, Inquisitions, Thought Seizes. I think they've trimmed on Lightning Bolt. We've only got one. Usually you see two or three. Like, I, I mean, a very common thing I've seen with Lightning Bolt is to bolt yourself on like turn two or three to get your Death Shadows down as one ones or two twos just to get them down so you can build them later. Yeah. So usually you see more Lightning Bolts. They also just answers a lot of threats in the format. But Well, the funny thing is, and I mean, it's kind of represented by the fact there's only one. It's sad when Lightning Bolt's one of the worst cards in your deck. Yep. Like yep. one Lightning Bolt, four on Holy Heat. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> Lightning bolt, the the epitome of power in cards, and yeah. it's not good enough anymore. Well, the the creatures are just like Croxa gives you the reach of lightning bolt to some degree. Yep. Just the creature suite is so strong, you don't need lightning bolt to like yeah. well, you dome them twice. You don't need the over the top anymore. You just go through them. You need to remove their stuff and go through. And that's what the that's what your unholy heats excel at. I mean, six damage for one red, but you need delirium. You'll get oh, it. Oh darn. Yeah. That's like, super hard to get. Yeah, really hard. Good job. That's the great. That's what I'm. That's the biggest thing I have to say about that. Just to touch on Loris again, one of the problems with Delirium is Loris because everyone's running Mishra's Bobble, which makes Delirium super easy to hit. Yep. The only reason they're running Mishra's Bobble is because of Loris. Yeah, Mishra's Bobble isn't nearly as good if you have zero chance to recur it. Correct. Second place was a four color four color living end list that we have not seen in a while. We've seen living end popping around in the top thirty two a lot, but not so much in the top eight. Cascade in general has been hated out for the most part, 
once in a while you see one bump in and here we have a four color living andalus come in which like we've talked about is probably just the more comboy version of cascade you've got uh crashcade which is usually getting crashing footfalls and that's more of your like mid-rangey controlly yep, style with a couple four four yep and this is like i'm gonna put hopefully 15 power on the board by turn four gg and it usually is have you heard of death shadow it also puts 15 power on the board <laughs> yeah, by turn four <laughs> yeah i cast two of them but yeah the problem is living in kills your death shadows <laughs> yeah make sure you get those in the yard yeah really inter- really interesting um Nothing interesting in particular in the list in terms of like crazy innovation. We've talked about before how Cascade decks just in general are really limited by what they can put in them because you just, like we said, nothing in it can cost two or less because you have to Cascade perfectly into your living end. So you're stuck with things like Brazen Borrower because you get that two mana bounce spell and, you know, that's like that's all you get to run in terms of just extra stuff. Usually you'll see a lot more kind of flex slots or like cheat spells like stomp and whatnot in the crash cade list. But here we've just got two brazen bar and then a bunch of creatures with cycling that are terrifying. Fun fact, the entire top eight has zero chalice of the void. Yep. That would be, that'd be why you're swimming in guy. We've periodically seen, we went from seeing a ton of cascade to zero cascade. And now they're starting to peek back in. Yep. What that basically means is everyone has taken their chalices out and like, People are starting to come onto that and they're going to start playing more and more Cascade because, you know, obviously you can totally answer Cascade and Living End is probably the easier one to answer because you just need Graveyard Hate and there's plenty of Graveyard Hate in the meta. But without Chalice, which is without a doubt the cleanest solution, it can be hard. And there's also, I mean, not to knock that, like there's plenty of ways to answer your Chalices. It's just a good step. It's just a really good roadblock to put in the way. And if people aren't running them, then you should run your Cascade decks. Third place we got a, is it grinding station deck that Matt and I were looking at a little while ago? And it's a, it's a kind of interesting, spicy underworld breach Thassa's Oracle combo. So of course it's got Ragavan and DRC yep. because, <laughs> and Urza Saga, and Urza Saga, because you'd be kind of silly not to run it. Now Urza Saga definitely helps find you some of your like key pieces to go off with. But the basically the, the whole point of this combo, if you've never seen it, is you've got Grinding Station, which is a two-mana artifact. You can tap it to sack an artifact, and target player essentially mills three. You would target yourself. And if you have an artifact come into play, you can untap it. You pair that with Underworld Breach and essentially any zero-mana artifact, because Underworld Breach basically lets you uh, replay cards from your graveyard, but you have to pay their mana cost and exile three cards. Gives them escape. You can take a thing like Mishra's Bobble. You can sacrifice it with the Grinding Station, put three cards in your graveyard, Use the Underworld Breach to recast it by exiling those three cards. It enters, untaps your grinding station, and you can flip your entire deck into exile. Yeah. But while you're doing that, you you will need to have some setup where you need to have, I think we said like seven or eight cards in your graveyard to start. But when you find your one Thassa's Oracle, you obviously just don't exile that. Yep. Once you get to the end of it, when you're done, your deck is gone. You use the Underworld Breach to recast your Thassa's Oracle, and you're good to go. GG. And that and none of that works. You can beat him to death with Dragon Rage Channeler and Urza Saga. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's a great, like, I love, I love mid-rangey or tempo style decks. I love any deck that has a solid beatdown plan and a solid combo plan because you just you broaden your horizon so much when you do the, well, if I have to, I'll attack with two, three, threes, four times and kill you. Or it's turn four and things just worked out. I win. Like I particularly like them because they lead to just more interesting games mm-hmm. they're harder to attack for sure well like stuff like show and tell if you play a hundred matches of show and tell by the end of it 
whether you're playing it or playing against it, like if you did it in a row, you'd want to blow your brains out. <laughs> because what the match, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of play on both sides, yep. but the match from show and tell's end, he's wanting to do the same thing every game. Yep. Where something like this, like you, there's going to be games where you play this deck and you literally never draw a combo piece. Yep. You just play a tempo deck. Like yeah. just a, not necessarily tempo, but like an aggro deck, right? It, yeah, more aggro. And this is probably a little and low then, for mid range, but yeah. But then you're gonna have games where, well, what I mean is like, there's gonna be games where you are the aggro deck. Yes. Where yeah, you're, you're just, just like, I the hand I have is nothing but attack like creatures to swing with, yeah. and that's all I keep drawing. That's the game yeah. I'm playing this game. It's kind of like elves. You do that a lot too. That's one of the reasons why I like it. Sometimes you have a natural order hand. Sometimes you have a glimpse hand. Sometimes you just have a beat down hand, and it makes those games way more interesting. Like when you're playing a lot of them where you just don't do the same thing every game. Yeah. And that's it's just more fun to play. Yep. This is definitely one of those you can you can flex in between strategies on the fly. Yep. And that especially like if something gets like if your graveyard gets locked down, you can beat death with uh with Ragavans and well Dragon and, and Dragon Rage Champs are very good, but Urza Saga tokens. And you're gonna, you know, you can make a couple four four Urza Saga tokens and beat face with them. You can yeah. use Emery to start recurring your Mistress Bobble and just start going up on card. Uh, going up on a card advantage and grind your opponent out. Yep, and your your DRC is going to almost always be online if your deck's doing anything remotely close to what it should be doing. Like, because you're just chucking cards in the graveyard anyways. Yeah. So nice. you just... It is going to be, I mean, it is kind of hard to get online. You've only got four sorceries, three, or sorry, three sorceries, four instants, and then creatures and artifacts. Like, it will be kind of hard to turn your DRCs on. Well, it would be if you were just casting your spells. What I'm saying is they're going to be actively yes. yeah, you like, are going to be filling your graveyard you, and, you have the ability to fill your graveyard at will to some degree yeah so and you're going to get some of that stuff drc definitely helps find your stuff too like yeah. especially with thassa's oracle i mean you can just throw your grinding station in the yard and then bring it back with thassa's oracle next turn yeah it's a cool deck yeah it's really cool it was interesting so and, and something we have not seen remotely in a top eight yep fourth place something else we haven't seen in the top eight although it is a standard deck is thopter combo so this is a Yorion Azorius Thopter combo deck. And have you seen the Thopter combo in Modern? Oh yeah, I know what it is. Okay. Sword of the Meek and Thopter Foundry. Yes. I uh I was I was goofing around and I hadn't seen it. I obviously I actually everyone... sold my Sword of the Meeks. <laughs> they unbanned Thopter Foundry. <laughs> I was like, I had like eight Sword of the oh, Meeks just because I, <laughs> I bought a bunch of that set. I was like, oh look at that. <laughs> Thanks for the 90 bucks, wizards. Yep. Yeah, it's a I obviously everyone gets got at some point. And I got got one time with, you know, Thopter Foundry just making infinite artifacts and putting the sword of the meek on infinite artifacts and 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 it's crazy. It's it's a crazy deck. It's fun to I'm sure it's fun. It looks very fun to play. It, it looks very like controly style. So you've got tons of removal. You've got your four solitudes. You've got um four stone forges to fetch things out. Four to fairy time raveler. These numbers are a little padded by it being a Yorion list, but I won't talk about it too too much. Because I never played the deck, and I've only played against it a handful of times. So, like, if you have any crazy insights you want to give on it, uh, I don't feel comfortable though, like running through this when I'm not like super into this deck. Hey, and Urza actually found a spot. I haven't seen Urza floating around. Yeah, after they banned uh, Mox Opal. Yeah, it, he got kind of shadow banned. Where like just nothing wants him. Four mana for a one four that generates some extra mana. I guess just isn't good enough anymore. Which, um, to my point, when they were talking about which one to ban, I was like, well, uh, Urza is the new card, so. Mm -hmm. The target should be on him anyways. And it's like, well, 
if we ban Mox Opal, Urza's not going to see much play anyways, so why don't we just ban Urza? In fairness, <laughs> I think the reason they queued in on Mox Opal was they were, at the, even at the time, they were moving towards a fast mana less modern. That's fair. The problem I have with that is Mox Opal wasn't really doing anything broken outside of Urza. Yeah. He was, it would, Mox Opal would see play in like hardened scales or affinity, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I so mean, like, it's... Mox Opal, to me, didn't break the same rules until Urza that a lot of the other fast mana did, where they were ubiquitous and were just degenerate. That's true. Where I, like, so like Simeon's Spirit Guide always taps, always, he's always doing something broken. Like nobody runs Sp- Simeon's Spirit Guide to not do something degenerate on turn one or two, mm-hmm. whereas Mox Opal just kind of facilitated a tier two deck. Yeah. So like, you can make the argument that like, we're trying to get rid of this stuff, and that's fair. If that's what you want, if that's what you want out of a format, that's fine. I think that pushed them to choose the Mox Opal over the Urza. I think the Urza got uh, stuck around because he was in packs. Probably helped. <laughs> it probably helped. Like, it's the same reason Ragavan, they haven't done anything about Ragavan because Ragavans are currently in print. Yeah. Um, like, it's, uh, we're talk- I think that was the biggest reason. We were talking about why we haven't seen a ban in anything recently, especially Legacy, and that's because right now on MTGO, you can draft Modern Horizons 2. So... Like I think I think the MH2 drafts end either this week or next week on MTGO, and I'm expecting to see a ban announcement in the next couple of weeks once these drafts end. So that's just my two cents on Mox Opal. Yep. And don't get me wrong, I I had Mox Opals, but I saw the the way the wind was uh-huh. blowing, and I sold mine. So this isn't even like a I'm salty because I got burned. I made money on it, so like I ain't upset. It's just it just seemed like the wrong call, and given. That we now have the benefit of hindsight, I think it was very clearly the wrong mm-hmm. call. I get you. So moving on, because like I said I don't know much about Thopter Foundry, and it'd be silly of me to sit here and preach to you about a deck I don't know how to play. Speaking of decks I also don't really know how to play, but I have more experience against is Belcher coming in at uh, in fifth place. So we're gonna kind of continue this list of like semi not popular decks that just don't really show up very often, but came in and stormed this challenge. One of the, I mean, in my opinion, one of the best things about modern right now is just how often the top eight can just be completely destroyed by all kinds of crazy stuff matt is currently losing his shit what are you going look at number 10 but keep going okay so we'll finish this list awesome (laughs) we'll finish this list and then i'll i'll take a look at the next couple i'm not sure number 10 is um but taking a peek at it again the belcher decks are pretty standard because they're they're pretty they're locked into running the um the mdfc lands the flip lands and they're most of them are running pretty much the same package with the same strategy. Things like Strike It Rich to store mana, things like Rituals to get extra mana, and uh, basically the crazy thing about this deck is the recross the paths option to stack your deck if you need to. But just get your uh, called get your uh, Goblin Belcher out with what's that uh, that like three red and it makes seven red or five red and it makes seven red. Uh... That call. I gotta find it now because I can't remember what it's called. What is that freaking thing? Iron Crag Feet. Four four mana to make seven mana, which seven you can only cast one more spell this turn. So yeah. you know, using your Iron Crag Feet to power it out, you turn you take turn four mana into seven red mana, but you can't get ca- you can only cast one more spell, but seven mana perfectly casts and then activates Goblin Char Belcher. Oh shucks, only one more spell. Yep. yep. I did see it get someone though, because uh, this deck runs three pact of negations. Oh, so they couldn't counter the counter. Yep. Once you you do go all in, once you cast the Iron Crag feet, if they have any responses, you're stuck. Yep. You don't have any more interaction. But it's a really cool list. If you never played against Goblin Tar Belcher, you should like Google it and watch how the deck works. Cause it is kind of confusing until you see it happen once or twice where 
Goblin Charbelcher basically has you exile or uh, put cards in your graveyard until you hit a land. Since there's only MDFCs, there's no lands in the deck traditionally. All the lands are on the back of those cards. So it mills your entire deck and then domes your opponent for your deck counts, so usually 40 yeah. or 50 damage. So before I go to sixth, I will read. Oh, that's why. Okay. Well, we'll get to 10th. That's why he's excited. There's spice in it too. I mean, I, there's green, so there has to be. <laughs> yeah, boy. Sixth place. So we've got four color blink, and this is this is the deck that was kind of the top dog for a while, and it's it got kicked out by Grixis. You know, it came in and uh, well, it kicked out. I think it kicked out Cascade. Grixis has now kicked out four color blink, but this is your four color blink list: Omnaths, Eternal Witnesses, Fury, Solitudes. You know, I I maintain we talked about it last week that like I think the Eternal Witness uh, Ephemerate package is a bit of a trap. Now, this deck actually only runs two Ephemerate. We actually went down on Ephemerate. It's a lot less Blink in this than traditional. But the whole, like, you know, Ephemerate your Eternal Witness to get tons of extra value and just do it forever steers away from the you should probably kill your opponent at some point. But beyond that little side rant, this is your standard uh, not seeing anything really spicy in here. I mean, one Teferi here of Dominaria is the strangest change. You know, only two Ephemerate's a bit of a change. But very controlling lots of counter spells lots of removal and lots of high value creatures that have great etbs and a yorion seventh place another grixis shadow list i will look at this and i will see all of the same cards almost to the letter as the last grixis shadow yeah, list. the past couple weeks what i've been doing is i open both tabs and i bounce back and forth and they don't change yeah it's literally the uh, i haven't checked it with this but the past couple it's just to the card the exact same list that's pretty funny yeah, it's like Grixis Shadow has kind of become a solved deck. And there are some people kind of experimenting here and there with some stuff, but it's basically a solved deck. And eighth place, we've got four color Omnath or four color Elemental, basically. So Furies, Solitude, only one Fury, but Furies, Solitudes, Omnaths, and then uh, Super Friends, just Planeswalker Tribal, Renin Six, Teferi, Jace, uh, Five Minute Teferi, with all of the counter spells, Supreme Verdicts you could ever hope for. Even Chalice and the main in this one. Yep. I mean, Chalice on one is very powerful, especially with Grixis Delver so popular and Loris in general. Like, yeah, I mean, and you're not going to be affected by it at all. Nope. And when your opponent sits down and reveals a Loris, you feel pretty good about dropping that uh, Chalice on one. Yeah, there's only a couple things that could be realistically. Yeah. I mean, there's there's plenty of decks, but like, oh, it, if but, you're going on the odds, you're like, okay, well, they've got Loris, so they're probably either burn hammer time or yeah. Grixis death. And I mean, just even on the, even like at least half, of, you know, you would say half of their deck is a one drop. Like, yeah. they can, nothing's more than two. You got some zeros. Well, I used to say half. You got some zeros. You got some ones. You got some twos. Probably half of their deck is a one drop. You, you can shut a lot of their cards off. Well, Matt, is there anything you'd like to say about any of the decks and the, in the challenge this week? So, anybody who's been listening for a few weeks, uh, probably knows that I built Affinity for Modern, and that's what I've been playing when we play Modern. I still don't play a ton of Modern. It's not really my format, but I intend uh, Bilster 47. This is genius, and I don't know how I didn't think about this myself. Modern Affinity runs 8 to 10 7 drops. Crater Hoof costs 8. He's like, you know what's good? Neoform. <laughs> so you sacrifice a Thought Monitor. To go get Crater Hoof and swing for lethal. That's amazing. <laughs> that is pretty smart. <laughs> that is awesome. That is the top end you were missing out on. Correct. Because what happens is you're like, okay, I'm going to do my thing. But if I don't kill you by turn three or four, Modern's power creep has just yes. gone through the roof. And it's just not good. Frogmite doesn't cut it yep. anymore. Maybe against a Death Shadow deck it could. Because you you could, you can answer the Death Shadow and then deal with their 3-3s three or their 1-1s. Right. But Well, the problem is you have to commit so hard to the affinity build 
like with your deck that you don't get to run answers. Mm -hmm. So like the only way to win is to out badass somebody with affinity and the power creep has made that very difficult. Craterhoof still out badasses just about everybody. Well, we talked about like you need a top end like decks need a, a deck needs to have a really high top end because even control decks these days, it's hard to run a control, even though I think control is very good in modern. To run a control deck, you have to stop almost anything from resolving because most things are just too powerful. Modern isn't, isn't as bad as Legacy by a long shot, but th- there's still that idea. And like, so you're not running a control deck in Affinity, but you're running this deck where you establish a board and it doesn't matter because my top end is better. I'm going to, you know, you've got four creatures. That's great. I'm going to cast, I'm going to get Archon out and flicker him. Yeah. Well, now you're down two creatures and, and you still I still have, have a 6 6 I have flyer. a 6 6 flying. Yeah. So yeah, your frog might can't attack. You're. Nothing you have can attack. Correct. And then I'm going to attack, and you're going to lose another one. Yep. Like, you have built this really good board on turn four, and I don't give a shit. Because my top end is better. Yeah, the other cool thing it does is, at least to some degree, like, I was going to say, it lets you get around Stony Silence. Because there's... Oh, it does. This build gives you an out against Stony Silence. It's got four Glimmer Voids, which are not artifact lands. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you, in theory, if you get that kind of Stony Silence stalemate kind of thing going on neoform you can resolve a neoform and still win through yep. that you do have like, an option yeah it's something because yeah. resolve stony silence is i mean it's, just it's what you have is what you have right you well you, and you and can you most get of the time out. what you have isn't enough yeah because the stony silence is a two drop like yes. it's i kept my hand based on stony silence right so well, what it, what stony silence does is it forces that long game mm-hmm. where your top end is better exactly i mean most top ends correct so that's a that is a very very smart top end. Are we going to be seeing you at the next Modern Friday Night? I don't know, but if I do, I'll be running most of the lists. I don't have four Chalice of the Voids. I don't know how necessarily they are. They're not as far as well, like it does within the the context of Modern. Like we just talked about, Chalice of the Void is a very good card. It is a zero drop artifact. Mm-hmm. Like it does help. Um, it's obviously not necessary to affinity itself, yeah. but it's probably a very good medical. If you're looking for just zero, I mean, there's plenty of zero mana artifacts you could put in that spot just to just to put there. Like this list is actually like my affinity list doesn't have chalice. It doesn't have Mishra's bobble in it, um, which we talked about uh, probably putting one bobble in there at least mm-hmm. for Urza Saga, Urza Saga target. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's that's a, it's only got two cranial platings. Cranial plating used to be your high end. Yep. Because it was just like I'm gonna get a uh, ornithopter with a cranial plating on it and beat you for ten. Twice in your dark. I, I very much think that the the meta, and obviously Hammer Time kind of flies in the face of that, but the idea of putting all your eggs in the basket of one giant giant just is not, it's not a good meta for that. It's not, like, especially it, it, with Solitude. Yeah. The, 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 the benefit that, that um, the benefit that Hammer Time has is it has just tons, like, it's not, it, it's easy to move it, the deck is built around moving it around and doing it at instant speed, whereas you are very much commit some mana and commit some resources to this, hope you don't kill it, Shit, you did. Yeah, that. On the that's next one. super exciting. That's cool. That's yeah. That, that that's cool. That's cool tech. Like you I'll need have to, to scrounge up the two sixty four for four neo forms. <laughs> <laughs> if you need, I can loan you some money. Like to be perfectly honest, this has me excited enough. I was like, oh, like open another tab and put these cards in my card. Yeah, like that's that's cool. Especially cheap like that. I do that all the time. Yeah. Whenever I see like if I'm running a, a legacy deck, I like if I see a blue white tech for legacy or a a reanimator tech, and it's like, oh yeah, it's like four dollars. Yeah, I'll just spend four dollars to have the option of maybe doing. It. Yep, it's just in four, case it ever. It's four bucks, or if I just went bored, it's it's four bucks. So I love when I see that. That that made my day, to be perfectly honest. All righty, let's get on to our metagame summary because we have spent shockingly 
way too long on meta recaps. So Death Shadow, five decks at 15.5%. These uh, four color blink-ish decks, four at 12.5%. And a couple Omnath decks, which I, they don't... It's not one-to-one, but it's a similar kind of They're deck. very similar. They're definitely very different. And they're very similar. I mean, your, four, your, five color, your five color Omnath decks, in my experience, are usually more super friend oriented, whereas your blink decks are definitely a lot more like Ice Fang Coatl and Elemental oriented, but they're definitely well, that, that dirtily long game strategy. And they, they kind of get lumped in as far as metagame effect in the same way that like uh crashing footfalls and uh living and do mm-hmm. where it's just like yes they're going to uh, i get it you're going to approach the game the matchup a little differently in each one but yes fundamentally what the deck what those two decks are trying to do is resolve shardless agent or whatever yep. and cascade into something these decks are value trains yes one way or the other i'm they're, gonna sit here and grind forever they're slower to get going but they are very heavy on the value but we're down into like the the twos Last several twos like uh, crashing footfalls, hammer time, jund, dredge. These are all twos. So we're no particular deck that comes in with approximately thirty percent of the meta. Um, no. Okay, cool. Thought so. (laughs) I mean, if you put if you put number one and number two together, you're still not there. Yeah. Most played cards, expressive iteration. Man, that card's a powerhouse. Ragavan. That is also a powerhouse. Mistress Bobble, Lightning Bolt, Unholy Heat. Top creatures: Ragavan, Dragon Rage Channeler, Solitude and Fury, (laughs) and Death Shadow and Fifth. MH2, 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 Death Shadow. And top cards, Expressive Iteration, Mistress Bobble, Lightning Bolt, Unholy Heat, and Renin Six coming in at fifth. Alrighty, Matt. So now that we are done with our meta recaps after an hour, let's talk about SCG Con. Yeah. So some big announcements got hap- or got made this week. And I think we'll go a little later than we uh, usually do to talk. I, I really want to cover a handful of things. Some of them will be faster, some of them will be slower. The SCG Con is probably one of the biggest announcements that we've seen, I mean, for the year, <laughs> yeah, for a while, for like in-paper tournament play. Um, SCG came out probably like three or four days ago and announced three SCG Cons, one in Philadelphia, one in, one in Indianapolis, and one in Dallas. And at the time, a lot of the formats were to be announced, and they have since been announced, for, I think for all of them. So, you know... If you're going to Philadelphia, you've got a modern 10K, a legacy 10K, and some flesh and blood stuff. If you go to Indianapolis, you actually have a team event, which is modern pioneer and legacy. That's a 25K. And then you've got modern pioneer and legacy, all 5Ks. And then in Dallas, you've got a modern 30K, a modern 10K, and some more. There's flesh and blood all of them. But these are some pretty high stake tournaments, really supporting the eternal and moderns and eternal formats. Yep. With some pretty significant prize pools and the biggest movement we've seen on like legitimate long-term scheduled tournament play and something you pointed out scg is even supporting legacy again yes so they used to run the scg tour um it was back in 2019 they dropped legacy from that in order to pick up pioneer Mm -hmm. shocking they dropped pioneer yeah well well sort of there's a pioneer in indianapolis and that's the thing like i it sucks because i love legacy i understand that it's not a cash cow. Like there's a very limited number of people who can play this format that have the $5,000 entry fee just to, to buy the deck yeah. to walk in the door. You need five grand. Yep. Like that's, I think the vast a little, ma- that's a lot to ask. The vast majority of those people are just people that have been playing it for the last Correct. 15 and, years. And that's the thing is that number every year gets smaller and smaller. So like, I don't think most uh, legacy players were surprised when uh, Star City Games dropped uh, Legacy from their tours. A lot of us were disappointed, yeah. but we're just like, yeah, I mean, I get it. 
because you know these these tours are fundamentally there to make star city games money by mm -hmm. getting people interested in magic and getting them to buy cards yep. the people who can afford to buy in legacy very small it's, most of them are, are probably already playing in that tournament yeah. or have their deck already i think the the crowd of legacy is not growing fast enough that's worth advertising to correct and i think advertising doesn't convince anyone to buy into legacy if you were going to buy into legacy it's for a, it's for a different reason other than you saw a cool deck on scg uh coverage yeah because i don't know how cool a deck has to be for you to be like fifty five hundred dollars you got it well the funny thing is that's exactly what happened to me when I started playing Legacy, because I watched, I forget what tournament it was in, but I watched Grixis Delver play against Blue Red Delver, mm -hmm. and it was like turn eight, and there were there was one land on the yeah, battlefield. They had one and tournament. I was like, I have to play this format, because that's amazing. That's how I got into it. And then, but back then it was like, well, I need guys, cradles, and bayous for elves. That's mm -hmm. that's That was my hurdle, right? Well, they were all 100 to 150 bucks. Yeah. So while that's um, a big ask. That's a lot of money, but it's attainable. Yeah, like. I mean, if my legacy deck went missing for whatever reason, I couldn't buy it again with its current prices. Yeah. Like I could. You'd be very un you're unwilling to. I'm certainly unwilling yep. to spend six thousand dollars on a deck I don't get to play very. I often. think we've said it before, but it's it's worth reiterating. Yeah. If I lose my legacy deck, I don't play legacy anymore. Correct. Not in paper. Now, in my defense, I do have two, <laughs> three actually. I uh, depending on how you define yeah, two and a half. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Delver counts. <laughs> Correct. Because I have Elves, Death, and Taxes, and uh, Blue-Red Delver. Old Delver. Old Delver. Hopefully, within the next six weeks, Delver. Hopefully, future Delver. <laughs> yes. That's the goal. Hopefully, you have future Delver. Yes. I'm just waiting this out. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I, I can't replace them. Yeah. And I, so I 100% understand why people are just like, yeah, Legacy probably is one of the best formats to play. But that doesn't suddenly make $7,000 or $5,000 yeah. appear in my bank account. Yep. And for whatever reason... The legacy community doesn't really like proxies in the same way that I would think they would. Mm -hmm. It's I, it's a it's a very divisive issue. Whereas in like EDH or in particular CEDH, CEDH is one hundred percent like nobody expects you to buy the ten thousand dollar deck because of time twister. Yes. Like that's just a thing. We all play with proxies because we want to have the best game possible. Yep. Um, legacy really there's a there's a large contingent of people who are very anti proxy and legacy. I think we're I think we've broken the 50-50 mark. I think more people are pro proxy than are not, but it is a decent number of people who are relatively not pro proxy. And I think a I think a part of that is people still want you to have like like uh oh what's it called when Wizards supports it? Sanctioned. Yeah. People still want sanctioned play, and that's not gonna happen with proxies. And I, maybe there, there's that push for sanctioned play. I think maybe maybe I'm just I'm just I'm throwing shit at the wall. In people's mind, sanctioned play is connected to payout play cash money play because you, you hear a lot of stories of people that have their local legacy fnm and you're playing for a pack or you're playing like like you're playing for five dollars in store credit like you don't see a lot of like cash being handed out at these events because they're small and it's hard for a shop to be able to hand out any kind of prize money when it's so small when you start about sanctioned play that's what you're talking about wizards is backing it and you have you're more likely to have a real reward with it yep whereas proxy play is is not there's no wizards does not approve of it for obvious reasons correct and that puts more onus on the store to one stay face with watsi in some way or pretend it didn't happen and two makes price support all their own yeah which you know the 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 legacy tournament we played out a few months ago that was a proxy tournament up to mm -hmm. 10 proxies the funny thing is there was an actual wizards of the coast judge there yeah. what sanction play does to me 
is it gives it that air of legitimacy. Yeah. And I think a lot of people just need to get over that. Yeah. I, if you want to keep playing Legacy, then yeah. And I think it's just as simple as that. Like, there's no reason, in my opinion, that Legacy players have to have that Wizards of the Coast stamp mm-hmm. of approval to have a legitimate high-end tournament. I'll give you an example. SCG Con in Indianapolis. If there was a proxy vintage event, you could be damn sure I'm printing out a proxy Oath of Druids deck. Because vintage is fun as heck to play. But it also costs $100,000. It costs, yes, fifty dollars to $60,000 for a deck. Unless you want to play a powerless deck, and I don't want to play a no At power deck. At that point, deck. just play Legacy. Yeah. So, like, don't you think that, like, vintage people wish that they had gone super pro proxy as vintage started to die out because I'm sure a lot of people are sitting on their $80,000 deck going, God, I'd love to play this against somebody. But you know, shockingly, nobody walks into the card shop with a hundred grand in their pocket to play their deck. That contingent of anti proxy people need to realize is as the years go on, it becomes literally dangerous to come to a tournament. Yeah. I mean, when, when we went to that tournament in Ohio, there was just like, the day before a post about somebody whose opponent had folded their tabernacle. Yeah. And like people were talking about it at that tournament. It was a Reddit because thing Because within going the legacy community someone, that made the news. Someone was shuffling their deck, their opponent's deck and yet crimped their tabernacle of Pendrel Vale. Right. Like now imagine if that was a proxy, you'd go, uh, whatever, I'll, yeah. I'll print another one. Yep. Like, well, that's what you did. It was 10 proxies. You didn't need proxies for elves, yeah. but you proxied your reserve list cards. Correct. I was like, I'm not, there's no reason I need to bring $6,000 of liability here yeah. in order to win 400 bucks. Yep. Like if someone folds your Allosaurus Shepherd, that sucks. But I mean, you could probably get them to pay for that. Like I have, I mean, I have no problem giving you the 75, 80 bucks for that card I bent. But it, legitimately, if you were like, Jake, you owe me $4,000 for this card, I'd be like, Blood from a stone, Matt. Right. I don't, I don't ha- have that I don't money. have four grand to give you. Well, like, you I'll can s- pay me 50 bucks a month yeah. for the rest of I mean, your I guess life. I'll see, but, but like some stranger, <laughs> I guess I'll see you in court. Or even, like, And I mean, even if a stranger fucked you on an $80 card, that'd piss you off. Yeah, but it's not the it's end of the world. It's 80 bucks. I, I spent more in gas getting yes. over there. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I'd like to see proxies become, I mean, I, I we promote a lot. And I every once in a while, we should give our two cents. I think proxies should become more mainstream and more supported, at least by the community. If card shops aren't going to do it, do it yourself. Now, realistically, if we want to circle back to Star City Games, that's not going to happen at these. Star City Games sells cards. They are probably just as invested in not having proxies as Wizards. Probably. So, I mean, I'm not going to speak for them, but if we're just talking about the reality of the situation, they're probably not going to be holding yep. proxy legal tournaments. But it's important to remember that, you know, a lot of these big cons or big tournaments, these are once or twice a year events. Like, you might be able, if unless you're... Unless you're flying to an event, which we'll say, if you're willing to fly to an event, you're probably willing to drop a few grand on the thing. Like you're going to spend an $800 weekend to go play Legacy. You probably you, already have you, a deck. You're probably willing to deal. invest in it. But if you want to play regular Legacy, you guys can do that at your local F&M, your local card shop. That can be proxy. Yeah. You're right. Unfortunately, you're going to miss out on the once or twice a year there is a tournament close to you. Like for us, that SCG con, that's an hour from us. We're lucky that we have paper decks we can go play in. But even if we didn't, if you if we could get a thriving legacy community and proxies going, sucks to miss out on a 5K, but that's okay. We'll, we play legacy every other week. Yep. So unfortunately, we did get some bad news about the SCG cons. The duo, Cedric Phillips and Patrick Sullivan, have both put up Twitter posts, which, again, I will link in the description. Yep. Which I will also link the SCG announcement. This is going to be a 15-link episode. But they have both made announcements independently stating that they have essentially separated from SCG. And it wasn't anything like a messy a messy separation or they didn't get fired. 
Um, they probably haven't worked much in two years, so it probably wasn't that surprising. Right. But uh, Cedric Phillips in particular came out with a long Twitter post and uh, laid out that one of the reasons that they have separated and he he's moved on is especially that SCG coverage will not exist. And this is close to his words in any form that we would recognize if there is coverage at all. So to me, that reads that SCG is basically done providing coverage probably of any kind, maybe maybe webcams. I, I could see maybe a, a premiere table where they you can watch it, but there's probably there's not going to be any commentary. There's not going to be any like hype, which I mean, that's what makes that's what makes it. Yeah. I mean, just sitting and watching people sling spells where you can't read them. That's not very much fun. So that's it, a very minor thing to add on to the end of this. But it was that was a lot of that was a really sad thing for a lot of us to hear that, you know, this legendary duo of commentators is they're not breaking up. I mean, they had the Receivables podcast. They have tons of projects they're working on, but they are no longer affiliated with SCG. They will not be doing any kind of coverage for these events coming up. Yep, that's too bad. That's kind of a, that was kind of a sad thing to see. That's um, Derek from the Family Gathering podcast was like he texted me and said, "This is the official death of of coverage." Yeah, well, and that's when uh, when you and I talked about it earlier. It makes sense from a financial perspective. Like if you look at the other games that like the esports scene, Magic is barely a drop in the bucket. As far as viewership goes, at it's, its also, peak, it's barely watchable, right? And well, that's one of the reasons. Like, at least when you're watching Hearthstone, as a better, and I think that's to be perfectly honest, I think that's why they're pushing Arena so hard. Is Arena is ten times more watchable. Yep, it has the same advantages that Hearthstone does. There's yep. a lot of things going on. It's very easy to tell what's happening. It just yep. looks better. There's there's a lot fewer logistical issues. Yes, um, but it's just I don't think pe- companies just want to keep pumping money into this. Even nobody watches even beyond how much better online magic or arena magic looks than paper magic. Have you ever watched esports like a like a regular esport? Like, let's say, oh, yeah, I've, I've, like CSGO or yeah. Dota or like there. There's a lot of stuff happening. There's a, like there's a lot of moving parts. It's all well, it's all real time combat. Yep. And that's fun to watch. You get to see some really epic things happen in real time combat. There's not a lot of epic things that happen in magic. I mean, once every 10 years, you get the flip and rip slam. Boom, he's got it. Yeah. This has to be what and he if he draws it, he wins. If he doesn't, he loses. And they slam it. And it other than that, most of it is <laughs> is and Julian draws a card and plays a nope, not gonna play a forest, looking at playing that by you. He does play the forest. Right. <laughs> oh, and he and he yep, taps that. Looks like we have a green sun zenith for zero. It's probably gonna okay, he's gonna pass the turn. That was that's it. <laughs> right. That wasn't I mean, like and like you said, if you're in the weeds of it. It's fun to watch. Yeah, like it's like from an elves perspective, like an elves player perspective, I love watching Julian play, yes. but you can't expect people to be like, oh my gosh, uh-huh. I'm going to hop on Twitch and watch two random people yep. you play a random format. You have to take all the people in the world. Now only include the people that play magic. Now only include the people that play high level competitive magic. Now include only the people that like to watch high level competitive magic. Sorry, you skipped a... St- that are watching that format. Yes. Yeah. Now include we only the this. people that like to watch high level competitive magic in this format. Correct. The crowd is, is probably too small. Yep. So it, it, it was sad to see, but it is a fact of and life. And that's one of the downsides of having magic have so many formats is like, I'm sure Hearthstone has more than one, but I, they probably don't have 10. Yeah. Right. So there's probably something akin to standard. There's probably something akin to, uh, legacy where just everything's legal. I don't know what they're called. I've played like an hour of Hearthstone. I'm not trying to crap on it. Just I've not played, my thing. I've played less. I have no clue. Um, 
I've never opened it. So when you're at most, you're cutting your your viewership in half. Yeah. And the the reality is, the people who watch one probably are interested in the other, just because there's not so many. The people who play standard probably don't care all that much about legacy. Yeah. And the people who play legacy don't care don't about standard. Care, most of them don't care about standard. I mean, I so I'm I'm kind of a rare exception. I literally watch almost every format. I, I don't watch uh, Popper Pioneer, but like I watch Vintage, I watch Legacy, I watch Modern, and I watch Standard regularly. When's the last time you watched a Standard match? One was on at Derek's house during Amonkhet. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wow, I used, Standard looks like crap. <laughs> I used to watch Covert Go Blue every day. Now he's on a hiatus right now, but I used to watch Standard every day. I watch Aspiring Spike almost every day. I watch Thraben use videos most days. So I consume every format and I am the minority of the minority of the minority. Like, right. I mean, part of the reason I have a podcast, like I'm incentivized to watch all that crap. If I didn't, I wouldn't watch half of it. So to beat a dead horse, it's very sad to see, but it's also somewhat predictable. All right. We've got two more announcements that we're going to roll through relatively quickly. Somewhat of a big announcement. MTGO. The way most people play Magic on a regular basis. At least as far as non-standard stuff. At least as far as, as, far as non-standard. So if you play most of the uh, Eternal formats, you're going to play MTGO. And MTGO is being licensed out to Daybreak Games. The Wizards has decided that, I mean, they didn't say this, but Wizards had decided that MTGO is not profitable enough for them to run it themselves. And whether that be they don't have the resources, they don't have the time, it's not profitable enough. There's a hundred reasons why they could have done this, but they well, have li- realistically, in my opinion, and it's just something because I, I, like I said, I'm a big fan of econ, right? There probably just is a bigger return in other things. Yep. Like they're probably making money on MTGO, but every dollar they put in that makes them X. And then every dollar they put into arena makes them X plus Y. I mean, they're you probably more I mean? 2X. Like, right. That's, yeah. Arena is probably an exponentially higher uh cash cow yeah and so they have decided to push more resources towards arena presumably and they've given off mtgo to daybreak games which is a it's one of those companies i every every podcast has been talking about it and there's tons of like mixed reviews on what this company actually is in terms of is it a place where old games go to die quietly is it a company that takes on old games and kind of refreshes them and like brings new life to them and it seems to be somewhere in the middle. So this is a place where a lot of games kind of go after their heyday. Because, uh, again, this uh, Daybreak game doesn't make games necessarily. They they manage games for other people. And nobody gives away their cash cow game. Like, right. you, don't see, you don't see Arena getting licensed out. But they do put a lot of work into keeping games going, keeping them entertaining, keeping the lights on. Uh, we compared it on leaving a legacy to the hospice care of games. I was going to say it's life support. Yep. They're, yeah, they're kind of on life support. Like so. it's something where it's just like, hey, this needs to exist. Yes. It and doesn't it's need still to f- profitable to an extent. To, yeah, it's still profitable. The thing, my biggest takeaway is there's probably not going to be any drastic changes because drastic changes cost money uh, as see, far as as far as the program itself. Yeah. Now, what, the way they run it, the pay structure, those kind of things that you can tweak, they're very easily could be big changes. Yeah. But like MTGO is probably going to look like this until it closes, Maybe. until it turns off. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. I, I'm not sure what to expect. We, we talked about it. Uh, I talked about it with Pat and Jerry, and the conclusion we came to is we think this is overall a good thing because this is the opportunity for things to change. Yeah. Watsi has shown that they're relatively hesitant to change anything on MTGO, and by that I mean even fixing bugs. They yeah. just, they just don't. It, it include like adding commander cards, like. 
there's cards from commander sets that it takes them eight months to add to the client. So bringing in a new company with some new blood and some new ideas is the opportunity for some new things. Now, I am in the privileged position where uh, I've already decided to sell my MTGO account. Now, I enjoy playing on MTGO using a rental service, but if they come in and totally muck up everything with changes, I'm kind of okay with that because I've financially stepped away from my stakes yeah, in the You don't game. have $10,000 or 10,000 tickets of Exactly. Decks. I mean, I don't have, yeah, even $500 in tickets. Like, So I'm really excited to see some stuff change, and I'm really excited to see, like you said, maybe some tweaks to the money incentive structure, which I don't think is as much of a problem. But I'd love to see some changes to like treasure drop rates and card prices. Like you could easily start changing those things behind the scenes and make a lot of people happy. But ultimately, we have no fucking clue what they're going to do. Yeah. It could be nothing. It could be everything. But I think it's a chance for something to happen. And that's something I'm actually excited about. Yeah. The, uh, I think we're both at the point where like if nothing changes, that's probably a worse result than taking a coin flip for change and yep. hoping that it's good. Yep. So we're just like, the status quo is not sufficient for uh, Moto, so we need to do something in order to really revitalize it. And to be perfectly honest, Moto gets worse every year, not necessarily the client itself, but when you have, you have to look at things in comparison to other things. Every year, Moto stays the same. Arena and other competitors for Moto are getting better. Yeah. So like, it's just being left further and further behind, mm-hmm. so it's going to need something to keep it going. Yeah. So. And I think you know, I think MTGO is better than Arena. I agree, but there's still a lot of things I like to see fixed about it. And and so as part of this, I like they're taking over everything. Like even the programmers that work for MTGO are now going to work for Daybreak Games. Yeah, along with Daybreak Games is um, employees. Like I fully expect Daybreak Games to probably put some more people on it and probably put some of their people on it and put some of their own swings on things. One of the biggest like apple of our eye, like oh that'd be amazing is if Daybreak Games is willing to come in and create a subscription service baked in. Yep, and that Jake and I have talked about this. That already exists, yes. but it's going to rental services. Yep. That's what that is. So, like, why wouldn't you want that to go, like, m- I'm not going to say most, I don't have any numbers, a very large portion, because there's, like, three or four big rental services, uh-huh. and they're doing the same thing. So, obviously, there's enough people here yep. where they can tweak around the edges and be like, oh, we have this feature yep. or that. I gladly... There's enough of a pie that it can be divided four or five uh-huh. big chunks. Why doesn't Watsy or Daybreak go, you know what? I want that whole pie. Yeah, and because they, they can out, they can outcompete everybody because they can literally snap their fingers and make as many cards as they want. Correct. Like I use Mana Traders and I love Mana Traders. Yep. Mana These, traders. That's the thing. These services are great. Yeah. Mana Traders, please sponsor us. <laughs> I love their service. It makes it makes MTGO a million times more fun for me. Mana Traders has to procure the cards. Yep. Like they like they have to get the cards to give to me. Daybreak Games can literally just go in and be like, yeah, the cards just exist. You can have as many as you want now. Yep. Give us 50 bucks a month. Like in or th- undercut mana traders by as much as you want. In theory. Now, there's a there's a long road to get from A to B here. In theory, you could completely eliminate tickets and just have people win money at tournaments. You could. Yep. Because the money for your rental fee, that's where your tournament Yeah. So you're getting a pool of money. Then you also have a, okay, well, it's going to cost you 50 bucks to enter this tournament. Yes. And then the prize support is pulled from that as opposed to effectively tickets, which are pseudo money, pseudo cards. That is is important to mention is in the world where um, they go in and make a subscription service, the idea, the incentive structures and the reward structures of MTGO has to change radically. 
because the entirety of the incentive structure to do well is chests and chests are, are cards and they're that's why they're worth money. And if yep. the cards are worth are worthless because you have infinite supply because you pay a monthly subscription, the rewards you get right now are worthless. Yeah. And it's just as simple as dollars now, to me. You could or I mean, or you could up play point rewards because right now you can get play points and that allows you to play more for free. It, yep. it costs essentially ten dollars or 100 play points, but it costs ten dollars. To play a draft, or play a draft. I'm sorry, to play a phantom draft or to play a league. You could just up the rewards so that you're playing for more than you know a, a a couple hundred play points if you do well in a league. I think right now if you go three two, you get like hundred play points and a chest. So maybe you get 150 play points. Or those numbers can easily be tweaked to it's to give you a reward structure outside of tickets or outside of cards. Yep. But it has to happen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's what I was saying. Is yeah. Like, there's a you, lot. There's a lot. You can't just go, hey, everybody just has a subscription fee, because then you're like, other than the bragging rights, why are you? In? There's no. Yes. The prize support currently is player points and tickets or cards, which are effectively tickets. Yes. But the funny thing is, is all these price structures are all trying to do a convoluted way of just doing literally what magic does, where you pay an entry fee and your prize support is out of that entry fee. <laughs> like, and that's like when we went to, you know, when we went to Ohio, it wasn't, oh, well, we're going to get. Store credit. I mean, they do store credit for some of them. Yeah. But it's not like, oh, we're going to get player points. It's just we all chucked in 40 bucks and the winner gets a big chunk of that. Yes. And that's that realistically, that's all that needs to happen. And, you know, Watsy's shown they're unwilling to do it. Daybreak hasn't shown that yet. Maybe Correct. they're willing to come in that's, and radically change it. I think that's what both of I both of us hope for. I mean, if you think about it, to play almost unlimited magic, how much would you pay for that? To have access to every single card? I mean, most people probably pay between 50 and 100 bucks for their rental service anyways, right? I'm getting ready to I bump know, to the $55 a month. Yeah, I yep. know. I think I was using a $45 thing. Yep. Because uh, the, unfortunately, with the state of magic on MTGO, the, the middle tier at the $450 rental limit gets you nothing. Right. Like you can play Commander for 100 tickets easily. That's like the $8 a month or $10 a month. The $35, $40 a month is that 400 to 450 tickets. So unless you already have previous cards. Yes, you need, I mean, you need a lot too. I was in the position where I had most of the fetches and a play set of Force of Wills, and I still could not play almost any deck at full power. I had to constantly be cutting out, cut out the Ragavans or, or cut out a Teferi or cut out the Solitudes because these decks are coming in even after fetches and Force of Wills, 550 bucks, 600 bucks. And that's all money just... Like the Daybreak Games now could yes. just, and the funny thing is, all these rental services, to my understanding, at least in some way, break the terms of service. Like, no clue, didn't read it. <laughs> the, most games like this don't allow you to, like, you're supposed to be paying in tickets, and like, mm -hmm. there's probably some convoluted loophole. But like, for example, the in um, Moto, before the rental services, when you would buy cards, you were buying from a bot. The bots, in and of themselves, go against the terms of service. Like, all of that stuff could. And tomorrow, if Daybreak Games just went, it's a hundred dollars a month. You get God accounts. Hundred dollars is probably too. But yeah, I get you saying. You know what I mean? Yeah, you could fine tune that price. But yeah, like right. Yeah. I mean, for unlimited magic. And the thing is, the people who who want to do like most, there's probably not a ton of super casual people on Moto. I know that there's some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Moto is where people go to play Legacy and Modern. Yep. Like fundamental at its core, that's what it's there for, right? Well, those people are going to look at that and go, okay, well, I'm going to play a hundred dollars a month. And I'm going to win that back in tournaments. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, especially you're right. If they if they cost a hundred bucks a month, but they put legit cash incentives to play, yeah, there's there's a well, real heck, think about that. Hundred dollars a month. That's twelve hundred dollars a year. A legacy deck costs six thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's four years of legacy right there at unlimited play. Or four years of MTGO with 
no travel yeah. and an actual metagame. Like and, every tournament fires. Like and my and like I love there I is so much fun to play whatever you want. Like it was my rental service, I was there for a little while. MH2 kind of mucked yeah, it up. Messed it up, yeah. But for a while there, I could play any deck I wanted. Blue Red Delver, Dredge, yeah, think about that in real life. Like if all magic was, because I I guarantee you, the people that are listening to this podcast spend more than twelve hundred dollars a month on or twelve hundred dollars a year on magic. Imagine if twelve hundred dollars a year, a hundred dollars a month got you every card that was ever printed. Yeah. It would be very tempting. And again, I think a hundred dollars is way too high. Yeah. But like, but, but you're, like, like that's that's testing the boundary. Yeah, like, that's like the upper upper end, and you'd probably get a lot of people. Right, I so. know I'd pay fifty. I don't even play Moto that much. Oh, I'd, I'd pay fifty and just yeah, just would, to have access to it. If if they sold if if they sold God account tokens fifty dollars a month, I would a hundred percent buy one a month. Well, think about how many people buy these God account tokens because they're active for uh-huh. two weeks. Two weeks. Yep, absolutely, I would. And everybody loves them just to they're, have them. Like people buy them just they're like I'm not playing in a tournament weekend. I didn't. I, I didn't play Eternal Weekend. I had and I had a blast. I just played a shit ton of Magic online, just tinkering with decks because I could. It, it's what made me sell my collection because I was like, oh yeah, this is what it's like to just play what I want to play. Yep. To do that, I need to upgrade my subscription service. If I upgrade my subscription service, I don't need these cards. I sold them and bought a modern deck and paper or parts yeah. of it. So that I think that would be a huge yeah. win, and I think that's that's Good. our critical hit right here is like you roll that d100 hopefully daybreak we'll we'll get 100 and we'll yeah. get a subscription or at least we'll get up like 75 or above yeah <laughs> so we have one more thing to cover this week before we kind of wrap things up and it's a pretty small topic but william jensen aka huey has been announced um he's gonna be working for watsi as the director of play programs now what does that mean I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of confusing. It, it what it means kind of is is william jensen is going to be responsible for in, in, in essence Everything that like it, it kind of encompasses everything about people playing and whether that means getting people to play more at home or more FNMs or more tournaments, everything he he kind of his title kind of encompasses a- accomplishing all of that. But what's important about this, in my opinion, is two things. One, William Jensen is like a Hall of Famer. He's been playing competitive magic for 20 years. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I'm not positive. Don't quote me. But he's been playing competitive magic like high, high level magic for 20 ish years. And he obviously has a very strong love for like Grand Prix and PTQs and crap like that. So I think I, I, he's probably going to come in it with some incentive to keep that going if he can. And two, this is the most we've heard about Watsi's play structure or tournament structure since they officially announced the death of all tournament play with the death of the MPL. Yeah. Now, this announcement doesn't really mean anything other than. Watsi needs someone for that job, so presumably there's something for that job to do. Correct. That's, we don't know what that means yep. outside of that. That's most of this announcement that I can give you, but I, it's, it's worth saying that someone's been hired for the job. Presumably, Watsi has some shit they, they want him to do. They have not completely abandoned in-person play. Exactly. That's and so. That's what we know. We're gonna. As of now. We're rolling that D100 again and hoping for a 75 or above that uh, that Huey can come in and encourage some more legit paper tournaments, or even if it's just. Watsi supporting SCG and Channel Fireball in paper tournaments. You know, even if Watsi steps back and says, we're not going to host them ourselves, but we're going to have intense prize support and really help plan these and structure these. That's good enough for me. You know, if they really if they're willing to really help Channel Fireball and really incentivize Channel Fireball to host these tournaments, that's good enough. Because that's gonna that's sure. really gonna help push these uh paper tournaments to exist. But I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring that up. So We've covered a lot today, Matt. Is there anything that we missed out that you wanted to talk? So I was playing Final Fantasy XI. <laughs> no, nothing. I think we're good. 
Well, as we wrap our show up today, I want to remind everybody that we're proud members of the Planesockers Podcasting Network and that they should check out Will and Aramis at twitch.tv forward slash Planesockers Podcast on Mondays around 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for their, I shouldn't take such a condescending tone, but in fair, in reality, they have a great podcast. They do live streams on Monday where you can watch the podcast and actually, I mean, and talk to them. They're very active in the chat. Like if you talk to them, they'll respond. And then if you don't want to uh, watch it live, you can check it out on uh, in podcast form on Wednesdays. They're available pretty much everywhere we are and probably more. But if you're listening to us now, you're probably on a website where you can find the Planestalkers podcast. I would recommend everyone check out the Discord, discord.planestalkerspodcast.com. First of all, when you get there, make sure and tell them we sent you. Then come over to our channel in Discord, say hi to us. And then after all that, you can check out and maybe sign up for a commander stream on Wednesday where you can play in per- or not in person, but you play some paper commander over spell table or maybe keep an eye and sign up for one of the give a box or the box giveaways where with Kamigawa coming out, we've got a box coming up in uh, February that we're we're just now starting to plan the tournament. And we're thinking about doing Singleton, maybe doing Standard, maybe MTGO. We don't know yet. But if you join the Discord, then you can be a part of that decision. If you want to reach out to us, check us out on Twitter at Cantrip Cartel or check out our Facebook page. I can't or it's uh, just Cantrip Cartel on Facebook. Other than that. Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? No, I think you got it all. Well, in that case, I think we will see you guys next week. Have a nice night, guys. Oh, so I'm going to go to my draw step and my uh, Urza's trigger goes on the stack to sacrifice it. Do you have any responses? No. Okay, I'm going to get Pithing Needle and name Polluted Delta. <laughs>